0: Welcome back to the Real Professional Podcast, the podcast where, uh, actually, now now we're just calling it the podcast where real professionals all talk to each other, because uh, we, we got our heads together and decided uh, over the new year that we have graduated to the no, no longer, air quote, real professional status, so... Um, it's going to be all top tier content from here on out with uh, great editing and no flubs and uh, absolutely no cuts that were uh, supposed to be taken out accidentally left in zero percent this year. It's going to be a perfect year. Um, 2021 first episode of the new year. Really excited to be back. I'm really excited to get back into this. Um, you know, for all of our, our listeners, you know, I I really appreciate all of you that have sent awesome words of encouragement over the break. It was really cool to see you know, everyone's reactions to our end of the year kind of stuff that we were doing, and also to everyone talking about how much they love the games. Um, so, you know, uh, it was a really, really long year last year with uh, getting the three DreadX collections out, um, available now on Steam for just 20 bucks to buy all three. Go buy it now. Uh, so, you know, we're, we got a lot more coming to you in 2021. So let's start this new year out strong. Let's start it out in with a fun conversation about indie games. Uh, we got a great guest today, someone that I've wanted to get onto the podcast for a long time, Mr. Jack Packard, semi-professional video game person from The Escapist, also co-host of The Best of the Worst for Red Letter Media. Um, really awesome all-around great knower of all things movies and games, so uh, hopefully he's got some blistering hot takes today for, uh, for all of us, but the good kind, not the... Not the Twitter kind. So, anyways, uh, without further ado, DJ, why don't you go ahead and uh, drop that sick bee... Welcome back, guys. Uh, like I said, we got Jack Packard here with us today. How you doing, man? Hi. Happy to be here. Happy to have you, man. It's it's so cool. This is like, um, you know, a longtime desire of mine was to be able to kind of pick your brain. Ever since I was like, basically, I've wanted to pick your brain about indie games ever since I watched the pre-rec episode on Into the Breach. But we'll get more into that.
1: <laughs> I know, like, right? That's how long ago is that? right eight years ago this is a long time in the making are you serious that's eight years ago <laughs> no i was <laughs> gonna say that's hyperbole man get on the trolley it's probably at least four years ago though right it, it's probably a while ago absolutely yeah it's like
0: it's funny because you make those jokes like that was eight years ago and then you look at the calendar you're like oh my god i'm old
1: <laughs> it's, it's been a long few years absolutely yeah definitely um and then of course we're also you know joined by
0: uh star and jesse star you want to say hi
2: Hello, I'm Star. Nice to see everyone again. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, it has been a minute. And Jesse, how are you doing over there?
3: Good. Good to be back.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you back, man. How are things in Phoenix?
3: Um, they're uh basically the same. Uh, still <laughs> hot. Still, still dry.
0: I hear that since they started uh, shutting down all the Q people, the population of Phoenix has dropped by twenty percent.
3: Uh, they just uh they just hibernate. You know they're like mosquitoes. Like once it rains again, they'll they'll come out and uh, <laughs> mm, you know, the cicada
1: of social groups. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah
1: exactly. When the season's in bloom, the Q swarms. Yeah, the... and and they make an annoying noise. Yeah, <laughs>
0: well, it's funny because like we the the Q shaman is is from our hometown.
1: Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Uh, Arizona <laughs> Arizona is a is a kooky place. It's mm. It's definitely, like, I, I did um, some door-to-door knocking for uh, uh, Kirsten Cinema when she was running for Senate, cause, uh, it, but it felt very different being politically active on the streets of Phoenix than it does on the streets of San Francisco or San Diego. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, as lovely as this, can, can we uh, talk about games? Oh, right, we want to talk about video <laughs> games, not politics. Uh, hey, I I'm just
0: saying that, you know, politics is the great game, and when you play the game of... of politics you get your podcast canceled so let's go ahead and move on
2: well i i just know ted so well we're we're just like yeah we're we're very similar but yet the opposites um i know that you can basically talk about any topic for a while which is a great strength
0: i just love the sound of my own voice i'll be honest
2: yeah (laughs) that's all right i can't disagree (laughs) um So we were talking about before uh, the podcast started about being behind the scenes and in front of a camera and how different that was since both like both of you have had experience with like film side and now getting into games and kind of the differences between that. And like one thing that like Ted was talking about was like when we started our company, like we wanted to make our devs, uh, you know, get, I guess, empower them to like want to speak up about their games and want to be more proactive as a developer and not just let their game speak for themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah. yeah and, and, then, and, and then, Jack, you were saying something interesting before the pod about, you know, the, the two different kinds of developers, the ones that are kind of like more behind the camera, the ones that put themselves out there. And, um, you know, it was an interesting point. Would you, would you mind kind of going into a little bit of, of that again?
1: absolutely sure i mean we were we were kind of talking about the difference between game development and and movie productions and basically i what i was saying is that there are two different kinds of fame and there are two different kinds of work within the industry you can have a a writer or a director in the movie industry who gets constant work Uh, puts out quality material and never does any sort of interview or advertisement, just, you know, punches in, punches out, does their job. Great. But you have the second kind who makes sure to put their name out in front of their work almost. So they are selling themselves instead of say, selling themselves as a writer or director. And I think you have very similar things within game development, you know, like, Kojima is the obvious example just because he is a name he's also an auteur so that's a little wibbly wobbly but you have game developers who are trying to take this moniker of like rock star game developer where they're not selling necessarily a game they are selling themselves and they also make a game
0: yeah yeah I mean I think that there's different levels of this too I mean like you have like the David Cage figures who I think by like Uh, kind of byproduct of his personality becomes this this kind of front and center figure within his company of like the David Cage games uh, despite you know himself being like not the guy that's actually doing most of the work you know right and uh, yeah I I think it's I mean and it's it's an interesting point because I think that a lot of times people are are afraid of like their early successes or failures defining them. So they have this tendency to like put off wanting to be out there until they know that something's successful or not. And then it it gets stuck into the cycle of, Oh, it's not me. That's, that's famous. It's the product that I've created. And
1: so one of the think also, also Mm -hmm. like conversely, I think there are people who are afraid of like, if I don't put my name out there enough, I know for, for me, for a lot of my early career, i was behind the camera i was editing and i definitely didn't get as much recognition as the people in front of the camera and Mm -hmm. so you know like we're making weird web videos we're we're having a good time out there and you know there might have been some missed job opportunities if i because i didn't get my name out there so i also think conversely there's a pressure to make yourself some of that selling point just so you can get that next job so you can you know, work on this yes. project over here. I know this is Lovely. all music to Star's ears. She loves this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, working in the industry now for a decade, uh, the first time I've ever had my name on a credit of the game was like for this company, which was mm. started last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we've only been around since April 9th, so we're not even a year old yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Uh, But yeah, like people, like because I did community work, uh, more marketing side of it, you know, a lot of people accused me of not being a developer. Uh, And I'm just like, but I'm part of the game dev process as much as you are. Like I'm putting as much time and work into this. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I wasn't given the credits. And that did hurt my job opportunities. When I talk to other people that are more successful than me doing the marketing and community building and social media all that stuff, they were like, Oh, yeah, just like, don't do this work, just do something else. I'm like, but you do this work. (laughs) why? Great
3: advice
2: (laughs) What is going on here, I just couldn't believe my ears. And so I was just like, Okay, I'm just gonna have to work extra harder to push my I had to get my name out there. So I built my personal brand, Mm -hmm. as well as you know, whatever company I was working for because no company was going to look out for me. It's it's just the reality of sometimes
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like that can like, you know, that can work in your favor. And like that definitely like links you to your projects. And that's a really positive end of that. And but then there is a negative end of that. And listen, we're all here talking for others' enjoyment. So there's an ego level to everything we do. Right. uh, And, you know, letting that ego take over and your name in your own head starts getting bigger than the product you're putting out. I won't call out any game makers uh, by name but you know the ego can take over the process absolutely yes but a lot of times ego can be like the only saving grace if you're bad at what you do
0: like because I think <laughs> that no I mean like honestly who would give a give a crap about Neil Breen
1: films if they weren't made by Neil Breen you know uh, no 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 you have that backwards <laughs> we care about Neil Breen because of his films it, 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 that could be you know John Henry the second And the films would still, if they were the same film, it would be beautiful.
0: No, what I'm saying is that it's his level of ego and unawareness that makes it more interesting. It's like if he knew he was making schlock and he was like, oh, yeah, my movies are really bad, it would lose its charm. Because, like, in his brain, I think he thinks he's making art. Oh, 100%.
1: Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. It's like that's that kind of, like, crazy persona. Like, if Tommy Wiseau wasn't exactly who Tommy Wiseau is, The Room would just be another bad movie,
1: you know? (laughs) Well, yeah, in that case specifically, we've seen both ends of it, where, you know, Tommy was so thought of himself as an artist, as an auteur, and we got The Room, which obviously is brilliant. Is art. And then after that, he realized that people were laughing at it, so he started to try to intentionally make bad movies, and none of them are even close to being The Room.
0: Yeah, I mean, The House of Drips Blood on Alex was okay. Um, which is another Tommy Wiseau, like short film production. Mm -hmm. The rest of it, though not terribly good
1: <laughs> not not memorable really not good and not fun you know like it's it's the it's the samurai cop 2 syndrome if anyone has seen both samurai cop and the sequel samurai cop 2 mm-hmm. uh, you know when they realized that they could just make a bad movie they tried to make a bad movie and it's no longer fun
0: yeah oh speaking of I need a tan- I need to be allowed a tangent here real quick I was watching a movie <laughs> oh wait hold on star do we get an official tangent yeah. can I get a okay. can, can I get a, a tangent' Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be a quick one,
2: I'm up a timer.
0: but I, I, I was watching a, sh- a movie called The Empty Man, which is a new horror film that came out. Uh, it's directed by a guy who previously did a short film called AM 1200, which is really great. Um, Empty Man is kind of weird, but it's interesting, artsy film. Anyways, it's directed by a director named David Pryor. Which is not the same David Pryor as the David Pryor that made all of the David Pryor films. I was going to say, uh, David Pryor, unfortunately, has passed away. Right, but when you click on the director's name on Amazon, it takes you to all the David Pryor films. So I'm like, the guy made Deadly Prey and The Empty Man? Like, what is happening here?
1: No... David, after David Pryor's passing, his you uh, in the Directors Guild, you can now be called David Pryor again. So a different David Pryor took up the moniker.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, they had to pull the David Caliber sword from the David Caliber. what David, David Caliber, David Pryor sword from the David Pryor stone to become the king of the name.
1: If any of us could be that lucky, absolutely.
0: It's yeah, it's like Thor. It's like not a person. It's whoever bears the hammer is the yeah. David Pryor. But he's actually making good films, so I guess he
1: can't be David Pryor. Uh, you know good is very subjective all David Pryor films are entertaining and doesn't that make them good <laughs> that, is, that is a way There's to really look at it
2: you, because like I've heard you definitely uh, <laughs> give uh, criticisms before there.
1: <laughs> we th- that's the whole reason the and you know like the the whole reason that we started best of the Worst is because we love movies so much even the bad ones oh yeah well, there I was, heard
2: you. Uh, I was they're like talking about Jack Packard. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, this guy hates Halo, and I'm like, what? You hate <laughs> Halo? No.
1: I, I I dislike Halo. I I I've, I think I like, I think Halo is a perfectly adequate game. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I I think it's it's mostly boring. It's but it's I, really I really boring. Enemy design. It's like the level design is like way too open and flat. It's it's super boring
0: but i think that you weren't 14 when you played it
1: so (laughs)
2: yeah that's what Uh, it is yeah i was
1: probably a little older when it came out i remember the original xbox coming out but no even even then even when the original xbox came out there were better first person shooters
0: yeah i mean i I agree with you actually i was never a huge halo fan um i always i i did enjoy the level design of certain levels um like i think everyone remembers you know silent cartographer and like some of the the beach level, landing level and things like that um and i did like uh the fact that they had this kind of mid-game twist where it became a horror game and i've always i've always appreciated that um but i don't think it needs to be the flagship xbox franchise you know
2: i agree um I, I couldn't get into it. I've tried many times, and but like I do feel like there's certain like movies, songs, like that just hit that zeitgeist <laughs> of like where people are just like this is what I want right now. Yeah, you know? and it's not necessarily good, but it's just like what people want. It's just what's popular. So I feel like it's good if people have like a healthy outlook to their their franchises that they really like.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, oh yeah no and I can definitely understand like if you were those kids that like got together and played Halo multiplayer and that's all you did like I can see that like nostalgia taking hold and be like no I had a lot of fun playing that and I'm of course you know anytime you criticize something I'm not trying to take away anyone else's fun this is just my personal opinion
0: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I mean and I think that that's actually you know you raise an interesting point about not wanting to take away anyone else's fun because I think that there's certainly a level of like critic that you get to, and you, you've 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 mentioned that you're not a critic despite having critical thoughts on things. Like you you don't self define you don't self define as like a professional critic, right?
1: Well, yeah, right, everyone's a critic. I criticize, I'm a commentator I guess, that's the, the yeah. m- most, uh, easy, that's the easiest way I can put it. Yeah. But I, I think that you and I you know, it's people that have
0: flirted with being professional journalists or whatever, professional <laughs> opinion havers, whatever the fuck Ooh, you want to call the fake job that I have.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good one a, a professional opinion haver.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can call being a media journalist a fake job because I do it, but if anyone else calls it a fake job, I'm like, do you know how many hours I work on this fake job? But uh So I uh, the 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 like I understand that when I'm like I like something or don't like something I'm not trying to like take something else away from anyone else but Mm -hmm. if you're like there's there's like the obsessive fans out there that definitely feel like you are and they will
1: verbally let you know over and over again on Twitter. Right. Well, and like it gets tricky sometimes because like you know even even things that I enjoy uh, that I, I can you can criticize the things you enjoy and sometimes you enjoy things that like technically are bad. Oh, this movie has a really bad structure. This game, uh, like currently I'm, I'm making my way through Dark Souls 2, which I, I believe is a bad game overall. The, the controls are off. The level design is weak. The monster design is weak. Like everything you do feels really sluggish. I'm a big fan of the Dark Souls series. Um, Same. But, but like, so I can understand that. It's like, oh, I, th- I think there are... There are things that I don't like about this game. There are valid criticisms of, of this game, but I am still having fun playing it. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And yeah, some people latch on, uh, like they attach the things they like to parts of their personality. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. when you attack the things they like, it feels like you're attacking them. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: I yes. will say that Dark Souls 2 is Ted's favorite Souls game, so I'd oh, like to hear no. it <laughs> Well, no, it's
0: funny, because it didn't used to be my favorite. I've since played through all of them several times now, and it's kind of like how I hated Bioshock 2 when it came out, but I've since gone back, and it's actually my favorite of the series. Um, um, I, I really like Dark Souls 2 for a lot of reasons, but uh, it's funny, because you're like, oh, no, I said that I didn't like his favorite one. I obviously am <laughs> not going to take offense. I have a, I can one-up you, though, on my putting my foot in my mouth to people I shouldn't, uh, in terms of Dark Souls specifically. So I was going to E3 in twenty. One of those years. And uh, it was the first appointment of the whole show I took with Bandai Namco um, because I was just booking my stuff. And it was a blind appointment, so they didn't tell us what it was beforehand. They had no prompting as to what it would be. Um, <clears throat> but that it would, before the first appointment, I got to see the show floor to go get my badge, and I noticed there was a giant dark sign display. I was like, oh, shit, are they revealing Dark Souls 3 this year? And then they did the Xbox showcase, and they like revealed that there was a third Dark Souls coming. Out. I was like, oh, shit, is that what my appointment's going to be about? And, like, I had no idea. And so, like, I walk into the Bandai Namco thing, and I sit down in this room, and and it's, like, a dark theater. The only thing on the screen is, like, a dark sign. I'm, like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. This is it. This is it. It, This is my first ever E3, by the way. So I'm, like, losing my mind. And um, I sit down at the front. I'm, like, ten minutes early, and there's these two guys already there. And uh, they have, like, notepads and stuff, so I assume that they're pressed. And I start talking to this guy about Dark Souls. He's, like, oh, so you're a fan. His, His English is a little stilted, so I'm, like, yeah, you know. Uh well I I d wasn't a huge fan of two. I didn't like all the, the man bosses. You know, it's basically the boss design I felt like was lacking. Um I would I would and I, I would have liked to have, you know, more of the open branching level design as opposed to Dark Souls 2, which tends to be more linear. And uh, you know, I also uh I I want to bring back the spell usage system rather than a mana system. And um anyways, I'm talking to Hitataka Miyazaki, and I had no idea.
3: Oh my god, that's great. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm just like nerding the fuck out to 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 the man himself. <laughs> And then he's like, thank you. Like, all of your opinion is really cool to hear from a fan. And then he stands up and he's like, hi, I'm going to talk to you. He's like, oh my God. Oh my God. I was just talking about how I didn't like the previous game.
3: And I feel so, so weird about this uh, now.
2: Go ahead, Jesse.
3: I thought you were telling the story of when uh, you, you tried to make it so that you could get into the Sekiro uh, uh, showcase. And, oh, you God. Know, yeah. Somebody else to like the Activision room. And you went to the Bandai Namco one.
0: Yeah, 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 and it was
3: like, Naruto... No, it was the Dragon Ball Z Fighters. Okay, yeah. And then <laughs> and then she went and saw uh, Sekiro. Yeah, but... so I,
0: with E3, this is what must have been 2017 or 2018, um, I was like, oh, okay, so we have this appointment with with Activision, and I was like, I don't really care, because like, what is Activision going to put out that I'm interested in? And so I sent another one of our journalists to do it, and I'm sitting in the Microsoft press conference as she's going to do that appointment, and I'm looking at the screen, it's like, Activision... In a dosage with from software, I'm like, oh no! <laughs> like, what have I missed? And then they start showing the gameplay for Sekiro, and I text her, and I'm like, are you playing Sekiro right now? She's like, dot dot dot, yes. I'm like, fuck uh, me, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fun times, fun times. Sorry, I don't mean to be totally going down memory lane here, but I just find, I, I just, I just find those stories fun.
2: Well, I, I have to say, like. <laughs> You know, I've pretty much been here since, like, Ted has started, like, transitioning from the journalist to the, the game developer side of it. Uh, cause he hired me two months after we started, like, you know, make like, actually putting out the games. So, I hired you the day before and, the first uh, game came out, right? And, um, yeah, so you hired me the day the first game came out, which is two okay. months after they started development. So, like, you yeah. <laughs> super fast. But like I watch both of you. Like uh like I watch I've read your old article, Ted, and Jack, I've watched your old videos. And I have to say that both of you I think have changed. Like the like your tone of voice and like how you present your, your ideas and stuff like that. So like I'd like to hear from you guys. Like, uh because like now like we get Steam reviews and people come to us like that, like, I don't like this, this, and this about your games, da da da. And like some of the some of it's fair. Some of it was intentional ideas. That we put into the games that like just people aren't going to jive with but then other people do like and so it's hard to make that like game that fits everybody right so
0: yeah yeah i mean that actually fits that really fits really well into kind of the discussion that i wanted to be having here before our tangents inevitably let us off the rails immediately like we didn't even get into my outline here yet and um (laughs) but you know i i I think you raise an interesting point which is that like you know when when you first start being a, a video game or media opinion haver you're usually coming from a very, very, like, fiery place. You know, like, I have these very strong opinions and you're very convicted. Um, and then, like, you get older and you realize that, like, the younger you was, like, a horrible, horrible person that you never want to hang out with. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, these opinions that I had were very, <laughs> very off base. Um, and then eventually you get old enough to come to peace to come to come peace with the fact that, like, opinions change and that's fine. But when, you, when you're in your more fragile younger years, like you know, you have these strong opinions and you want the world to recognize it. And, and then, you know what I mean? Like, why does the world not get that? I'm a genius, you know?
1: <laughs> that's yeah, that's 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 absolutely it. Like that. That's a, a lot of it. And, uh, you know, like obviously I came from the uh, from kind of the film sector. I, I am a professional, uh, you know, video producer and editor. Uh, I've been doing you know video production for It's so long now, it's hard to keep track. And so, yeah, part of that was like a little bit of my technical knowledge, a little bit of my love for the medium. And it's the same with video games where it's just like I love escapism in general. I love getting so deep into a video game. And so, you know, you start digging into why do I love it and all that. And and you're absolutely right. Then it's just like, wait, 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 I'm right about this. Why aren't why don't you think I'm right about this? I'm going to make a big video about why I'm right about this. Uh, and I don't know. I still, I think I still get fiery. Uh, age has a lot to do with it. You know, we're, I'm an old man now, so I can't, I can't get too excited or I don't go to bed on time and I need to go to bed at the rest but you know, like very recently, uh, with, you know, like star Wars Mandalorian season two ending, you know, like the, which isn't wasn't as controversial as i thought it was which is really upsetting to me because it should have been really controversial and you know i, I got deep into that why it's so bad and why doesn't everyone agree with me uh, i think uh, another thing is we now live in uh, the age of the internet like i've been i've been making internet videos long enough since before youtube God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um back when you had to like upload a video to like a real player on a homemade website And so now there is so many opinions out there that even if you have a fiery stance, it kind of gets drowned out in the noise. And so I don't know, you know, maybe that's part of it. And what's the point?
0: Yeah, I think that um, for me, like especially like, you know, when I when I first started getting involved in like trying to be a journalist was. What nine years ago now, and the internet was a very different place back then than it is now. You know, I remember the first video I ever made just in my living room was a video about Braid and how, like, is it really indie? Because it had like a hundred thousand dollar budget, which is very quaint in retrospect to be like, is it really indie with a hundred thousand dollars? It's so much money. When now, like, Hades, like, Hades probably had like a 10, 15 million dollar budget, and um, you know, uh, it was just like, and the the but the the landscape of the opinions on the internet has, has has become so muddled that I was... I, I really reached this point where I was like, it doesn't really fucking matter if, like, what I go online and say anymore. You know? Like, it doesn't... I'm not changing the world, and maybe maybe I never was. Like, maybe it was always a pipe dream, but especially with the crowdedness of the market, it's more and more like, how the fuck are my opinions ever going to be heard? I mean, if this, this, like, you know, it's like no one wants to hear... Not no one, but less people want to hear real critical breakdown of real important things, at least things I think important, than someone wanting to watch some Minecraft streamer, you know, do it faster than anyone else on the planet. And um, the point I'm making is that, like, basically when we decided to start doing the DreadX collection stuff, like, a lot of my decision making process in doing that was, like, I have these opinions on, like, indie games and, like, what I think makes games good. But like just shouting it into the internet like isn't doing anything anymore. Like there's it's like the, the the time where one can have like a real lasting impact. You know back when like you know Jim Sterling was getting big or, or Yahtzee was getting big. Um, you know that was that was a time on the internet where it definitely felt like if Yahtzee came out with a review that was like this game is bad and here's why. It was a there was a period of time where it really felt like that could actually make an impact into how people were deciding to design games. Whereas now the the media apparatus has become so co opted by uh, the industry that like you know first off there's so many small voices out there and the ones that do get amplified are the ones that are you know part of this 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 media machine and the ones that aren't are really like the standouts that have been there for a long time like you know i don't think yahtzee has I, he's softened a little bit i think he softened a little bit when he started doing e3 i saw him uh, interview john romero and then i was like i wonder if empire of sin is, is going to suck and then he's going to have to feel awkward about that interview but anyways the point i'm making is that like you know um we're now so i, I decided to make the games because it's like that is what I think is the next outlet is like, I can't get by on just saying what I feel anymore. I have to like put those into action. And it, that was a long about way of saying that I make games and it fun.
2: <laughs> I, I yeah, That's the whole point of like me bringing this up to both of you. Cause it's just like, it's very different to say, this is how it is. This is my opinion. Um, And give a, you, you just said earlier about your expertise breakdown. But the problem is, is like this game development is very complicated. Like. You're putting art and programming and a lot of tech and a lot of design into an engine, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have never even touched the Unity <laughs> engine. They don't know what's behind the scenes, right. like, Absolutely. Um, so they don't understand like the, the process. Also, a lot of them have never had a business before, and they don't know that, like, oh, I, can't, I need to pay people <laughs> so they can feed their families. I can't just whimsically change things around. Uh, like, and so a lot of these videos I've seen are like, developers are lazy. <laughs> developers. <laughs> can use this engine, developers. Yeah. They right. need to work with this other company. It's
3: so it easy nice. to
1: make it good. Yeah. Just make it good. Right. No, Star. Yeah. I think that's like, that is so important. And I, and I think that you're absolutely right that that is missing the respect for the creator. It feels mm-hmm. like it's missing a lot. And you know, I've been as guilty of this as anyone, where yeah, you do get very passionate about something and you forget about that. I personally, I feel like no matter what, no matter how good of a critic I am or what good of a, how good of a point I make, being critical of something is always lesser than creating something. Always, always.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's um, a good way to put it. Well, I don't, I don't actually, I don't necessarily
0: agree 100%, but I, I, I get your point. I think it's really a good point.
1: Like, and, and for, for anyone like who, like you said, doesn't know what goes into making a game for anyone who doesn't know what goes into making a movie. It's just like, uh, I, I know I've, I've issued this challenge to people before where, where it's like, I, what I want you to do, like for on the movie side of things, right? Like everyone has a smartphone now, everyone has a camera and an editing software in their phone right now. Mm-hmm. What I want you to do is write a script, write a script for a short movie, a, a two minute short, right? uh now when you're done writing the script start filming it and tell me when you have to make your first compromise because it's going to be right away (laughs) yeah like immediately (laughs) yeah it's going to be right away that you're gonna have to make your first compromise then your next compromise and now you have an idea on how anything creatively is made you have to make compromises or it will never ever be made and and so we do uh, maybe and maybe that's part of softening too is just like understanding that like there has to be an inherent respect for anyone creating something that doesn't invalidate my criticisms criticisms of it yes. but there has to be an inherent respect absolutely
0: yeah can you can you like in your personal life like track like the critic the harshness of your criticism pre and post space cop
1: well you know i was very lucky where it's like i i acted in it and i did a little bit of behind the scenes special effects uh no no i don't think it had much to do with space cop i i've i've always been like i said behind the scenes yeah yeah. so it's like i and i think that's part of you know on the red letter media side of things that's where part of our harshness did come into play where you know if Mm -hmm. if if it's a bad if it's a bad script it's like why wasn't this fixed you know obviously you know uh, red letter media became most famous because of the uh mr plankett star uh, star wars prequel reviews and so like there it's just like this is stuff that we know is easy to fix but someone made the decision not to because of you know egotism or or laziness or whatever and so it's like there there are some scenarios even though all respects george lucas gets more respect for making star wars than we get for criticizing it 100 percent, i stand True. by that statement yeah um but we do know that sometimes it's like oh this this is something we know you can fix because we've done it we've done it on a smaller scale but we've done it <laughs> you mm-hmm.
3: know yeah, <laughs> yeah really, it,
2: uh, go well, ahead a oh, really quick ted and then you can jump no, no go line. ahead <laughs> jack this is awesome <laughs> i just want to yeah. say um Yeah, like the thing about like DreadX collection is like this was this was an experiment. Like we were just like, can we make a game in two months? How fast, how quickly can we do this? Can we bring developers together? Is this going to work? And we Mm -hmm. did three in a row. So it was like bam, bam, bam. Just making something. Sometimes you just have to make stuff. And guess what? It did work. People liked it, the developers liked it. We grew a community. And I was just like, okay, well, you know, that is telling us, it's giving us like this feedback loop of people do want this it is working okay so how do we do this but we also need to now like create this foundation of a studio of a, a business of a publisher in mm-hmm. order to continue this because we can't do this like scrappy uh <laughs> throw stuff together kind of stuff forever like we need to like really uh also like there's always this expectation of making something bigger so I'm <laughs> just like wow this these games are what they are and it's just like yes but we weren't trying to make the biggest budget crazy game right off the bat like our intentions was to see just what would happen. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, one of the things I've always loved about um, uh, the red letter media side of things is is that the criticisms don't come from just the point of place of being like angry film nerds, you know.
1: <laughs> like these are people that like. I mean, we are fun... angry film nerds, right? Like let's be let's be fair to us.
0: But <laughs> the the it's not some guy in front of his camera with Funko Pops in the background just <laughs> shouting about Star Wars it's like right. okay here's a breakdown of what exactly is our criticism and that's kind of like that's one of my one of my favorite series uh, for the the the, the 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 is the best of the worst because it's like let's not only talk about these terrible films let's break down what makes them bad and how they could have been better right. um, like you know, what was the what, order of the black eagle or whatever what was that one where it's like the monkey driving the tank or whatever oh, <laughs> like there's, there's no reason that movie should have been as bad as it was you know <laughs> Like, but it's interesting to break down why it's bad because there were so many entertaining parts of it put together, and that's, and that's actually um, kind of what when I started doing the Dread XP or the the gaming side of things, is I always wanted to like kind of take a look at some of these more micro budget itch.io games, um, and talk about okay, well, what could how could these have been made better? And actually, Jesse over here, who's been so talkative this whole time, are you still alive over there, Jesse? More or less. All right, cool. <laughs> um, but Jesse's been been doing this. You you review basically a game every day.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. My uh, my regular column at uh, Dread XP is um, I is an ultra indie daily dose where I delve into itch or other uh, indie websites mm-hmm. and uh, I find a cool game to write about and like. There's a lot like. You know there's more content there than than any other website that i've ever been on um and uh i mean it it's been cool for one because like before this i didn't know anything about horror uh games movies or otherwise and that's kind of a requirement for you know working for a horror game website <laughs> so uh um but also just because like you know they're uh Amazing experiences that take like five minutes to, to yes. understand if, I'm, if it's going to be cool or boring. Um, and same with like, you know, on the development side, like if one good thing about these projects that I really appreciate is that if the developer realizes like that they're not feeling it, they can just stop. It's like, yeah. you know. Um,
1: no, itch itch.io is is a magic storefront, and I I wish I wish it was more recognized than it is. Just because of that, like you said, like there are there is you know, like cheap to free game making software out there that someone can just piddle around with and try something, make a make a five minute little Zelda like, right?
3: Yeah, um, and
1: and that's the that's the beauty of the modern age, the modern technical age we're in. Mm -hmm.
3: absolutely and that's a luxury like big developers don't have like if you make a like a triple a game and it's not good you can't just well like let's try again like you gotta (laughs) double down on marketing and then you get like uh you know what was that game uh the flying disintegrated or disintegrate uh disintegration disintegration yeah like you know Oh god i forgot that came out didn't that come out like three months ago it was really bad it was amazingly <laughs> stunningly bad like i haven't seen something so bad as in like the order 1886 like sure that's um, a
1: that's a, jesse that's a super good point though about like bigger budget titles both on the game and the movie side yeah well, like once they start making it there's no hitting the stop button
3: <laughs> yeah it's it's a real shame like yeah uh somebody's got to figure out some way to do it to just like i don't know take all the assets and like you know just wipe them like move them around a bit figure something out because right uh, um, uh, just a magic fix (laughs) yeah so much work goes into it it really it really is a shame to see them come out like they do
1: well, like I'm, I'm a bigger believer, and you know, part of this is because I do play so many games. But I'm, I'm a big believer in smaller games in general. You know, like you, yeah. d- does your game need to be 20 hours? Right? Is there a point to it being that big and that long? If there's not, make it a five-hour game. I, you know, there are so many little games. Very recently, speaking of quasi-horror games, I don't know if you guys had a chance to play um, A Hand with Many Fingers. I have not. Do tell. It's it's the most fascinating game that, you know, I'm sure made by a very small uh, team, if not one person. And it's a little, like, detective game where all you're doing is going through um, uh, archives of newspaper clippings to try to solve um a a famous wealthy guy in the 80s got into a car crash under mysterious circumstances and so all you're doing is like reading newspaper clippings and then going through card catalogs to try to find other news articles based off of clues in these news articles to piece the story together it's really weird and beautiful and and it's like an hour and a half experience and it's a lovely story and you're in charge of putting the story together as the player and if it was any longer i would say it sucked (laughs) i just i just
0: bought it i needed another reason to not jump into cyberpunk so
1: i appreciate it (laughs) no like it's and you know i'm a slow gamer so it'll probably take like a normal person 45 minutes to an hour to play it's (laughs) that's a a funny way to say old um (laughs) (laughs) i'm a slow gamer now Oh, I
0: prefer my games a little bit slower now. <laughs> <laughs> my soft cookies and my I'm a,
1: no, I'm a. Go ahead. Uh, oh, I was just, I'm a I'm a slow I'm a very slow reader. Is is the issue? Mm. Um, and that game in particular requires a ton of reading, and so uh. that's 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 just a me thing. But sorry, Star, go ahead.
2: Is it? Yeah. Okay. So here, I have like such mixed feelings about this because I want. Okay, so there's a difference between hobbyist game devs and then professional game devs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of devs struggle with like jumping into professional. They're like, how do I make money? How do I quit my day job so I can make games full time? Mm-hmm. And like, that's the problem It's just like, first of all, a lot of people don't legitimize indie games in general uh they're just like i want big budget high-end games otherwise it's not a real game you know <laughs> i've heard that so many times i'm like yes aren't indie games like unpolished like aren't they like kind of ugly like i've heard that from a lot of people that they just they won't even give indie games a chance so that's the first barrier and then the second barrier is just like developers it's so disheartening for them to make these experiences because they just don't get paid and they don't know how to market their games so they can't even get mm. attention so they're just like what am i doing this for you know so well, it's like so hard for me. The
0: <laughs> I and, love you know
1: from a consumer standpoint though. Part of that is kind of true, and I mean, I've I'm always I've always been a kind of person that you know I I went to the punk rock shows when I was younger. I would much rather go see some band just getting started and figuring it out than go to like the big concert to see yeah. the polished thing. And I do think that a lot of the the vast majority of consumers out there don't want that uh, like indie games are unpolished. Sometimes there are bugs sometimes because they're not making a lot of money because they don't have a lot of team, uh, a big team to fix bugs. They, they might not have the best art. They might, you know, be a little janky. And so I do feel like that's a valid criticism of them. There is so much joy to be mined in there though, uh, as the other side of it. But, you know, we're, we're talking it's 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 difficult for us because we're all in the business. Right. Right. <laughs> how, how do you get how do you get Joe Schmo's uh, perspective here?
0: Well, and let me let me just real quick say that I don't think that it's the onus of the consumer to, like, do all the research to find out which is the best game. But I do think that there's something there's an interesting counterpoint to what you're talking about, Jack, which is that, um from my experience, having been both a film journalist and a video game journalist, mm-hmm. like if you're a film journalist, especially like a horror journalist, and you haven't and you aren't aware of a lot of these like smaller horror movies, like so like, like I said, I started in found footage, but like you know, if you if you if you're in found footage, you better as as, as hell have seen all of the paranormal activities, right? That's like the top <laughs> the top level, but then you go right. below that, and it's like, have you seen the Last Broadcast? Because if you haven't seen the Last Broadcast, then how are you going to say actually there are with one before, you know? Or um, like and then you're like, oh, what about the Poughkeepsie tapes? Because the Poughkeepsie tapes is like a relatively like hardcore underground. And then you have like August Underground and like a number of other found footage films. And then you can get real low and talk about like the pyramid or Crow's Nest or, you know, there's a lot of. But there's basically if you want to be taken seriously as a horror journalist, you have to have seen all of these. And, and I'll, I'll frequently run into other people that don't quite understand that, like, like, I've seen all the Human Centipede movies. I don't like them. I don't want to see them. But it's my fucking job, you know? Like, so I've seen them. Because I have yeah. to. Um, yeah, yeah. In order to, like, be able to have an opinion on it. And um, any other horror journalist that's going to have a strong opinion on body horror needs to have seen the body horror movies that they're arguing about.
1: Um, specifically the human centipede which is like in the realm of body horror kind of like that's like a bigger one even though it's a it's a more uh gro- it's the yeah, weirder it's like one. An, yeah. so it's it's like like a normie would know of the human centipede
0: yeah know? despite the fact that it's like one of these weird indie budget movies but it's mostly exactly. just known but for reputation than actual quality yeah. um but you know I'm, I'm just using it as an example of like you know you have to like the with with film like you, you would, you would expect, you know, who's the NPR film lady Beth Akamondo or something like that. You know, like one of these high tier journalists to under to know the larger landscape of of indie films in general. Um, however, in games, like it seems that a lot of outlets move more towards the bigger bull titles and ignore indie. Like it, it's the only fan fandom i've seen that deliberately eschews uh, or deliberately um ignores some of the indie stuff in favor of the bigger tetpol franchise and i think that just speaks to the the relative immaturity and uh, i don't want to say immaturity in like every all gamers or kids it's like i mean like it's like it's still a young fandom you know in terms of like how long gaming has been around
1: well and you know i can speak to this on the other side of things cuz uh, like i can uh, there's there's a bigger problem here there's a bigger problem here and it's it's interesting i swear uh, bear with me for a moment and i swear <laughs> listeners this is interesting <laughs> it's not going to sound interesting but i swear it is at least to me it is is you know we deal with this a lot over at the escapist where you know we want to talk about this game we want to talk about this game and uh, you know a decision needs to be made because there's only so many articles to write there's only so many videos to make there's only so many things to talk about like the balance of the big game versus the little game and it's the same thing back when i was doing previously recorded with rich Mm -hmm. what game are we going to review and it's the same uh with mike and jay when they do half of the half in the bag what movie are we going to review and the unfortunate thing is numbers for more obscure titles reflect in that Mm -hmm. it's the exact same content it's people discussing something but if you are discussing Star Wars versus if you are discussing a more obscure title, the numbers are going to be down for the more obscure title. And so there is an incentive on our end to discuss the larger title in order to get those views, to get those clicks, to get those ad dollars, uh, which which is like the weird balance. Because we we don't like talking about star Wars. I don't want to talk about cyberpunk 2077. I want to talk about the hand with many fingers. Right. (laughs) And so it's like balancing the uh, balancing the views to what we find interesting is a game that we play on our end of things because the unfortunate reality is Pete, more people watch us when we talk about the bigger thing
0: yeah but that's that's a good that's a, I mean obviously that's that's true and I, I definitely understand that having come from Dread Central which is you know a relatively big horror site and it's like obviously I can see the difference in traffic numbers when I talk about Godzilla or Resident Evil versus uh, Mike's getting lost in the woods with his friends film you know like <laughs> it's like it's there's 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 definitely but my, my question is is like, what is the purpose of the site then? Like, what is the purpose of any site? Like, is it just to get views? If the, if the end goal is to just get traffic, then why aren't we all just making porn? Like, that would get way more clicks than anything else. And so uh, like-
1: not, I mean, have you seen me? No one wants to see that, come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, okay, we can't make porn, but we can theoretically own the company that makes porn. And the point I'm making is that like, you know, it, there has to be some kind of balance here between <laughs> making content for clicks versus making content because like the site has a purpose like when i when i when i made dread xp like the idea was like let's just do indie stuff and i knew it wasn't going to get as much traffic but luckily like i don't have to get like i don't pay for the site through clicks like i pay for it through the game like it's part of it's part of our sunk marketing
1: cost you know um, oh, yeah, no. And I think like one, I think like that, that is an important question. And that is the question. And luckily, with things like Patreon, which things with with things like, you know, directly paying to support the thing that you like, we are seeing people cover a, a broader spectrum of things. Yeah. Um, And so like, to me, it's like, what does your audience want? Does your audience want to discover things through you or do they want you to talk about something that they've already experienced so they can be part of that conversation.
2: Oh very well put. No,
1: I mean it's and, it's a very good point. Yeah, and so you know and the the real hope, especially like for me personally, obviously I, I can't speak to anyone else, when you know, when when Nick, uh, our editor in chief, um, Nick Calandra over at the escape is when we talk about topics for the escape show, we do try our hardest to balance that like Oh, some people want to be here to discover a new game. Okay, let's make sure we talk about some newer, smaller titles, but some people want to, you know, some people have played cyberpunk 2077 and want to be in on that conversation. So it's, it's a balancing act, and it's tough. And we, we, and it's tough, that's it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, that's
0: one of the reasons, I, I get it. I totally understand that. But I was, I'm, I'm kind of curious what you feel about it. Cause I, I actually don't know what your like management role level is like, or, and I'm not, I don't need to know. Like, but the, the question is, is like, you know when you're thinking about the, the content that you want to make for the day. And this is a, something I struggle with too, is like, I need to make something that's going to make me happy. That's gonna mm-hmm. make me not want to shoot myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't be writing, like I, I stopped writing Silent Hill rumors articles because I don't, <laughs> I can't fucking handle <laughs> it anymore. But yeah, yeah. At the same time, uh, by the way, I actually know who's making the next Silent Hill. But whatever. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to start another, start another rumors
1: thing. I'm, but
2: I'm sorry to Ted, uh, because I, I'm the one who tells Ted no to a lot of things. <laughs>
1: good yeah you need that yeah
2: let's do this crazy wild thing and i'm like we already did three other crazy wild things (laughs)
0: yeah well um what was i what was i saying though i stopped making silent Hill. oh yeah yeah but at the same time like i'm also in charge of getting people paid like that's my job like if 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 i'm not doing my job then the developers aren't getting paid the writers aren't getting paid um you know stars not getting paid so i have to weigh those those two options um but At a certain point, like, I need other people in the company whose job it is to think about the content as opposed to the numbers. So, like, I need those checks and balances. And I'm just kind of curious in your own, like, you've been doing this for a rather long time in in both Red Letter Media and Mm -hmm. um, now The Escapist. Um, By the way, I was very happy when I saw that The Escapist picked you up up because it's like I've been following The Escapist for a very long time, back when it was run by... um, uh, gosh, I can't even remember their name. But And this is like you know years and years and years ago. Oh. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, no, and I, I only know the, the current management, obviously, because they're the ones who hired me. So Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like, but
0: you, in, in your head, have been doing this for a long time, so it's probably less of a dissonance for you now. But it's like, how do you come to terms with like, okay, here's what I want to talk about versus this is what I have to do to pay the bills,
1: you know? Right. Well, and, you know, I'm I'm incredibly lucky now with the escape like, you know, back when we were doing previously recorded, it was all on Rich and I, you know, we were in front of the camera. We were behind the camera. We were making all of the decisions. And Mm -hmm. so there. Yeah, we would have those long conversations about, like, what game do we want to play versus what game does the audience want to see us play? Right, because that's the big question when you're creating this content Mm -hmm. and and, you know, you try to have as much as a one for them, one for me, where it's like, I, I really want to talk about this game. It probably won't be a bigger episode, but eff it. This is the one we're doing with uh, working, especially working with Nick Calandra uh, on the Escapist show. He is a wonderful counterbalance to me because I am an indie arty farty fuck all the way through and nick really enjoys you know like mainstream triple triple a titles and so luckily just our us being our own personality we get to balance very naturally
0: Yeah, no. uh,
1: and you know for for streaming and for the show some sometimes i like you know i'm, I'm going through a big dark souls kick right now that was like my comfort food uh, over december and so like that's all i want to play right now but I know that I need to move on because you can only talk about Dark Souls for 3 weeks in a row, not 4 weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so,
0: know. There's some there's some people that made their whole career shy about Dark Souls, but Yeah, I was going to say
3: <laughs> I disagree. What? I could probably at least 3 or 4 years. Well,
1: I guess like I could talk about Dark Souls every single week. I do think our audience would get tired of it. And so yeah. like for me, it's an Fair internalized enough. pressure. To move on, even though I don't necessarily want to, because I know that they don't want to hear the same thing every week. Uh, and yeah, Nick does a really good job of balancing that out. Obviously, like our, our show is edited by uh, our, our editor Omar, and he does a great job of picking the right pieces to put where. And so, like, there's a team that I'm working with now, and we have a lot of talks behind the scenes about what are we covering what's important what do you want to cover and also what do we think people want to hear about and i think we got to you know uh, like yahtzee's covering a lot of big games we have our three minute review mm-hmm. team who's covering a lot of indie titles yeah great they do a great job they really they're they're really killing it and then of course you know we have our 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 big like litany of streamers now who are just streaming uh, you know weird indie titles bigger titles and and so hopefully we're getting that balance right and some some months we'll get it right and some months we won't right <laughs> yeah i mean i always
0: i've always loved the escapist for you know the uh... Like I said, I mean, I was I was watching The Escapists back when you know Yancy was reviewing the demo for The Darkness. So this is
1: forever ago. <laughs> um, we all, hey, we all were absolutely.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, when they did like Unskippable, which was like the Mystery Science Theater for opening cutscenes, like mm-hmm. you know, this is long time ago. So um, that kind of that was like the old internet feel, where it was just people doing fun shit and seeing what happens. You know. And it it definitely feels like the internet is becoming less and less about people doing fun shit and seeing what happens and more about what's the market that I'm targeting. You know, what's my, what's my niche. I mean, like you can't be a YouTuber now without being like, I am a blindfolded Minecraft speedrunner that only plays with a guitar hero controller. And that's what I do seven hours a day, every day. And like, and that's, and it just seems like, that's that's what concerns me. Is that like I feel like everything has become so uh, ironed out. Like the the roads and and pathways of the internet have become so ironed out that there's less less territory to trailblaze, and it it, it concerns me at times.
2: Um, can I jump in?
0: <laughs> no, yeah, whatever. <laughs>
2: sure. What's up? I, I have seen enough of the other side, though with you know work i've done a lot of consultations with companies and solo developers like yeah and i've run a lot of game dev communities and so i played like probably thousands of prototypes and talked to hundreds of different developers about this exact thing i can i can't talk about youtube content because i'm not a youtuber but i can talk about from a game developer perspective you know about the fun side about this stuff and the problem is, is a lot of people are just doing fun stuff they are just throwing things and seeing what sticks
0: Mm -hmm. which is great it's super fun
2: the the saturation out there with so much content to create and but there's bigger audience too right um it's just like it's just people limit themselves too with the fun that they want to have like for example i'm just like oh are you appealing to a younger audience like you probably should do tiktok and they're like i hate tiktok i'm not going to do that i hate social media i'm not going to post anything in social media i know you want to do fun stuff and i know you want it but like It's just make it easier for yourself. (laughs) Don't don't make it harder.
1: (laughs) No, and you know, like that's one, that's why, you know, people who are creatives, that's, that's why like I went on that big tangent about the team that I work with. That's why people need people like you, Star, is because like, it needs to be all of us working together like creatives need people to say no you have to go on TikTok if you want people to watch you <laughs> like yeah and we need things like the dread X collection which Aww. which does take all of these tiny things puts them in a big package so everyone can push in the same direction and make a splash in this crazy Age of opulence that we are living in, as far as media is concerned. Oh God, yeah, I know. I mean, it
0: was—it's actually funny though, because like, I, obviously, like my perspective on this has been like heavily shifted based on the going from being a journalist to being um, a creator. Like, I can't—I can't even tell you like how fundamentally different I look at the industry, even though like and i think that this is like even though you might be aware of how the industry works actually doing it is is really different like you know you know because you do the movie stuff like you know you've done film editing you've done filmmaking yourself
1: like oh yeah no like i you know yahtzee has made games yeah can talk he can talk about that and i have literally no idea what you guys are you are clicking buttons as far as i'm concerned yeah
0: (laughs) well i mean i'm a little bit upset that he never reviewed our game because i reviewed a consuming shadow what four years ago when he made it <laughs> so I still have his, his contact email from that I should be like review my game although we were we were featured in a zero punctuation episode he was talking about uh, how forgettable so many horror games are on Steam and our image popped up and uh, it was great because we were in there for a quarter of a second before we vanished so we were forgettable even in his point about being forgettable and um, which is funny though because um, back in uh, last December I was um, in Poland, with a friend of mine who was the uh, lead writer for uh, the Blair Witch game. Mm. And uh, so we were watching his worst of the year, and it was number one, and she was very upset.
1: <laughs>
0: I know. It's funny, though, because I, like, I was like, sweetheart. Like, you know, it's, it's not, like, don't, it's, it's, it's a job, you know? Like, they're not attacking you personally. Whereas someone like Angry Joe, like, will literally go over the credits for any game he doesn't like and say fuck you to each person individually, which is a bit much that's a bit more
2: he doesn't do that anymore uh you know, me and ted have talked about like <laughs> current youtubers and what they're doing and like how they've changed like angry joe like he's also in his 30s so he's in his 40s now he's oh really what
0: who's in their 40s though that's gross
2: the, what? No. <laughs> Angry joe has changed a lot like he doesn't do that um I, I'm
0: not trying to presently drag Angry Joe through the mud. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is, is that you have to separate the...
2: That's Jotty's job, but Angry Joe, that's not his job. It's both of their jobs. You have you to know?
0: separate the character from the content, is what I'm saying. And like, yeah. and at times, though, like it does get a little bit too spicy. Spicy takes on the internet? Fucking never. <laughs> So, um, anyways, back to our conversation about Batman v Superman, considering spicy take, I'm just kidding.
1: All right. So, problem number 17.
0: <laughs> problem, <laughs> problem number 17 in the first minute. Slammed. Got you, Zack Snyder. <laughs> Taking pot shots at Zack Snyder. Adding him in my... Doing that... What's the thing where you at, at someone in the tweets, right? That's how you tweet someone? You at them? Yeah. Is that still the term we use? Sorry.
3: Very excited to see the five hour long Snyder cut that's uh, coming out soon.
0: I hope they don't finish the special effects on it. I hope it's still like the in progress, like Hulk. Oh,
1: they gave him so many millions of dollars. Like I like yeah. as someone who semi-professionally watches bad movies. Yes, I am super excited for it. And now that we know it's not going to be a mini series, but an actual four and a half hour one movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, so excited. I'm really hoping that halfway through, it just cuts
0: straight into Sucker Punch.
1: Yeah. I
2: haven't seen Sucker Punch recently. Me? Yeah. I haven't seen Sucker
0: Punch in 10 years.
2: Okay.
3: I I saw it in theaters. It was the most magical, uh, but like, dark evil wizard magic, magical, uh, experience I've ever, yeah. It was so wild.
0: I didn't realize that me tacitly liking Sucker Punch was such a fucking, like, massive issue that apparently, I
3: mean, and no one on the planet agrees with me that Sucker Punch was okay. I mean, it was like Oscar Isaac's, like, breakout role, so that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> I just remembered chicks fighting, like, a giant robot with swords, and I was like, this is cool, but I was, like, 12, oh, yeah," I was, like, what, I was, like, like, fourteen and drunk when I saw it, so...
3: If you skip all the dialogue, it's, it's great. Awesome.
0: It is. It is weird to go back and watch movies sober now, like movies that I used to like think were good. Like, um, but I just turns out I was blackout drunk. <laughs> that is probably one of the gifts I'm beginning to receive. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, sorry, didn't mean to bring my personal fucking issues into movie talk time.
1: Th- <laughs> no, that's what that's what podcasts are for. Uh none of us can afford therapy, so we have podcasts.
0: <laughs> Do you know how much how many drinks I had to drink to get through all the found footage movies I had to get through? my my job was the found footage reviewer for like a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a lot that got passed in the early 2010s that was like all movies have to be found footage and they right. have to be shit.
1: Very and, controversial.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was one of Obama's less less known uh, executive orders. Mm-hmm. Why is that though? Why are like
2: why is it hard to make a good found footage movie?
1: Uh, it's not hard to make a good found footage movie. It's very easy to make a bad found footage movie.
0: Ah. So I love found footage, right? Um, and Jack, this is probably something that you'll you'll like this point as well. Um, there was a period of time in the in in horror history with found footage that like basically anyone with a camera could make a movie and it was and there was a lot of shit but it also like reduced the remove the barrier of entry for a lot of people because um like horror especially as a genre um in film is like a good entry level genre for a lot of people because as long as you have a solid idea and a, a little bit of a budget you can make night of the living dead or halloween or um you know, evil Dead, yeah. Or Evil Dead, you know, something really, really good. Because like the quality of the idea is going to be what shines through. You don't need triple A actors, you don't need super expensive actors. You know, you can get uh people that would work for scale, like uh Nick Cage or Bruce Willis. Um
1: those
0: that was, those that was are deep deep cut. And to... not
1: not only that, but horror has a, a built in audience and so like especially back in the day, um, if you're talking like, you know, movie theaters, um, you know, drive-ins movie theaters had a built-in audience for horror movies. And so getting your movie distributed was significantly easier. Right, right, exactly. So, um,
0: yeah, with, with, with found footage, it like, you know, it once again, it didn't even, it didn't even just like level the playing field. It completely like demolished the idea of a barrier to entry to films. I mean, once you had uh, paranormal activity, which was made for $10,000 by some guy that lived like, you know, a mile away from me in San Diego, um, just like in his house with two random actors. Um, Then you also had like films like The Gallows, which did really, really well. And um, sorry, made a lot of money. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, a number of other found footage films. It's like, I really loved that period of time in horror history because it felt like what is going to happen? Like who's going to enter into the scene and and what are we going to see next? And it was just these wild ideas from all sorts of people. That's when we got the rise of like Slender Man through the Marble Hornets on YouTube um you know a, a lot of these yeah. arg found footage kind of things very very, very fascinating
1: very reminiscent of the early like direct to vhs like shot on vhs if if you ever if you had a like a video store near you that like sold like, locally made shot on ah! VHS movie, yeah. uh, which, you know, like, are terrible, but yeah, you're like, the guy down the street made this, it's not good, but you can do it. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was in this section of the theater, in the, of the
0: movie rental store, right next to the curtain section where the porno was behind.
1: <laughs> exactly, but it was there.
0: Which was also homemade and locally sourced. <laughs>
1: the same store as Indiana Jones, you could
0: rent either of them,
1: it's beautiful. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I mean, I, there was a, a, a place in, um, I went to school at Berkeley and they had the real video, which which had, you know, those kinds of movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was that was awesome. Um, You know, unfortunately, it's a business model. I don't really think works anymore outside of I mean, hell, if you can't make your hipster video store work in goddamn
1: Berkeley, then where the fuck are you going to make it work? (laughs) Well, no. Now you have a YouTube channel and a Patreon and it's same, same thing, different medium.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I think that we have lost something in terms of being able to walk into the store, and I mean not just because of COVID, but I yeah. mean like in general, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the the death of video stores. Like I, I remember I used to just love to walk into a Blockbuster and just kind of mm-hmm. like meander about and pick seven movies I'd never heard of, and then just have a movie night, you know? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Hey, uh, Jack, did you ever play Spookware?
1: Spook? Oh, that's a- oh. Yes, Spookware. That was the WarioWare esque uh, yeah. horror game, right? Oh, fuck yeah, that was good. Yeah. Oh, good. We just
0: awesome. we just we just signed it for a full game. Oh, did you? Yeah, gonna be coming <gasps> yes. to PC, console, and mobile.
1: Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, you know, like uh, l- some like not great controls, not some not great responsiveness, but I one I love the idea of WarioWare style mini games. I think that. For some reason, that has gone away, and that we need a resurgence of that. Um, yeah, I in fa- in fact, I talked about that on an episode of Escape of the Escapist Show. Oh, Spookware! Yay! Spookware, because I had hmm. such a good time. Like, and you know, like I probably played it for a total of forty-five minutes, and it left such a lasting impression on me because oh. it's gameplay that I love, and we don't see too often anymore. Oh, well, good. We exactly. just spent a lot of money on it, so I'm glad that we did. Good. <laughs> Fucking good. Uh- Revive the minigame.
2: <laughs> we have to cut that out though, because we haven't.
0: It'll, be, it'll it. be signed by the time we go live.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just not post this uh, podcast like until
0: until it gets signed. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna do that. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, I I mean, wonder, yeah.
0: The guy that made it too is nineteen,
2: right? Oh, really? Yeah. No. No, he's twenty-one.
1: Adam well, still, is no, that's ni- a, that's 20. still a kid. That good yeah. for good for him.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, now, listen.
1: I'm an old man now I got kids it's like no yeah good for these kids these what what is he he's only 29 what a kid ah huh? great <laughs> yeah I um I'm reaching old man status I turned
0: 31 recently and I feel oh old. what a kid I know but it's <laughs> you know what it's it's interesting because I used to be like when I was younger I was like why won't anyone give me a chance I got all these great opinions and now that I'm older and I see other people that were the age I was when I had that feeling I'm like I can see why now I can see. I can see why people kept me at arm's <laughs> length.
1: Oh, oh, was I that bad? Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like I
0: feel like there's that hyper guy that you know in in high school and then college. That's mm-hmm. like a bit of a maniac, and like either he becomes like very very successful, or like is is like uh, a fixture of your local like rehab for the rest of his life. And I was very close to being a fixture of rehab for the rest of my life, but. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. If it's I, I, like I was that hyper guy. Like I I still do improv comedy. <laughs> well, that's what I mean though, is that like you don't lose the hyperness, but you learn
0: how to temper it, you know? You learn mm-hmm. how to yeah. like um you forge yourself in the fires of your own resolve. And some people lack I don't wanna say they lack the capacity to do that. Some people just don't. And they continue to be their own worst enemy for their whole lives.
1: <laughs> well, that's why so many of us turn uh, you know, two substances and yeah. uh to, to help, to you know, because we think that that's going to quench the fire uh, of our own bad thoughts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to belabor the, the, the point. I, I mean, I, I think I, I bring up probably too frequently the fact that I'm sober and which I'm, I guess technically not supposed to do. But what are they going to do? Kick me out? Like, there's no there's no
1: AA police, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, talk talk about it. I, like, I've been pretty open about my sobriety as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I didn't know if you were comfortable at all bringing it up so i try to avoid it sorry i i didn't mean to like kind of backdoor
1: it but um listen you want to talk about alcoholism we can we can just take in a whole nother podcast here. absolutely <laughs> i mean uh jesse over here is also sober you want to say hi jesse hey hey no, I'm <laughs> see I'm yeah kidding. you can't you can't just like call it out for other people though come on <laughs> <laughs> i've done it before on the podcast or else i feel weird yeah, about
3: I've, it i've talked about it several times i'm sure
0: yeah, yeah. but um i'm, hmm.
2: I'm, I'm conversation unfortunately yeah
0: you're you're not you're a you're you you get drunk every day no i'm just kidding Um, i I just
2: had a very perfectionist parents that were you know i don't know uh i was very sheltered and so like i just never did any of that stuff i never was around people like that (laughs) all i did i had to get good grades i had to go to college i had to you know live that I didn't get a chance to like explore that world of
3: (laughs) You know, it's it's never too late to start. You can always become an alcoholic. Yeah. I I believe in you.
0: If you work hard and practice every day, you can get there.
3: That's right.
2: yeah, uh, I was twenty nine whenever like the first time i had a drink, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, okay, now, now I know." Jesus. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, you yeah. know, like I, I know people the same way. They just, they're just not drinkers, never, and never even thought about it. Uh, yeah. Which is, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you do you. Yeah, yeah
2: I mean, I, I cared about making money and getting jobs.
1: What
2: <laughs> uh, I just didn't see the point in it. But, I, I, anyways, that's my contribution.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely <laughs> given me a different perspective on like life though like getting sober is really hard like Mm -hmm. it's it's simultaneously the hardest thing you'll ever do and like the easiest because you have to realize that the issue comes from within yourself you know Mm -hmm. like like if you were to tell people you have three things to do today you got to push that boulder up a hill you got to cut off your hand and you have to not drink for most people they'd be like well not drinking is the easiest part but if you're an alcoholic they're like Okay, well, can I cut off both hands and still drink? Like, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Can I compromise here? Like, what are we? What are we
1: doing? Um, well, yeah, I think like you know, like like Star was saying, where it's just like not having like that personal experience for like some people just. like don't think about drinking and so like for them it's like what you just don't drink and it's like no it's not you know how do you properly like explain that to someone so they empathize where it's just like no like i really want to though and it's like i feel a compulsion to it yeah yeah that's a it's a tricky monster to explain
0: yeah i mean and in in a lot of ways the, the the hardest part is like and it's it's this is something that is a bit tough to talk about for me but it's like i felt like i was when i quit drinking i felt like i was losing my best friend because, mm-hmm. like, regardless of what else was happening in my life, regardless of who was mad at me or what obligations I had fucked up, like, for for six bucks, I can get a handle of Grand Legacy. And, mm-hmm. like, I knew my night would be better, at least in my mm-hmm. brain. And Absolutely. to give up that is insanely difficult because it it's, like, a fundamental rest- Like, I didn't even know how I'd make friends. I didn't know how I'd talk to people. Like, I didn't know, like, what I'd be nice. doing with my hands all day. <laughs>
1: No, and like you know the like the craft beer rise and like people who like you know like a connoisseurs of this IPA and whatnot like that became a talking point right amongst the guys when you hang out and like it 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 gets attached to your personality where when you decide you know not to drink or to stay sober, then you are literally left out of conversation. It's, yeah, it, it's a tough, tough gig. Yeah. Well, I was like, am I ever going to
0: talk to my dad again? Like, not because I don't talk to my dad, but like, you know, mostly it's like when we would hang out, it was mostly at the local brewery. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'd hang out and have a few beers and talk about, you know, how the beers were because that's how men communicate. They can't be like, here's how my life is and my thoughts and feelings on things. It's like, how are the beers? They are good, full, full of alcohol. I mean, my, my talking point used to be like anything under 7% is water, you know? Like oh, that was 100%. the kind yeah. But no, I was I was drinking it like a, 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 a you know, like a, a like a, a fifth of whiskey and three 42-ounce bottles of steel reserve and three pints every day. So like,
1: it's pretty rough well, and it's hard to... like You start doing the math where you're just like oh no like it's cheaper if i buy the higher uh, uh alcohol content yes. beer because then i can drink x amount oh and actually that's less calories too so i'll just drink this and this what like yeah. and that like that's when it started clicking for me I, i'm relatively new uh, as far as sobriety is concerned i'm at um i want to say we're coming up on 17 months wow congrats man
3: that's great.
1: thank you Uh, And so like but but that's when it started clicking for me because like I would do the same thing like my wife and kids would go to bed I'd stay up and have a few beers and and I was doing that kind of like alcohol percentage math after they went to bed oh i can have this one and this one and this one and it's like yeah that starts to control your life in really unexpected ways
0: well i, I used know. to i used to do that little trick where i'd have half of a bottle left over from the night before and i'd drink that half a bottle and be like that doesn't count so i can still have one <laughs> and then i'd have another half a bottle and be like i only have half a bottle because look there's only half well, a bottle left
1: <laughs> i didn't drink at all. it all doesn't count okay. yeah it doesn't
0: count and um no. yeah i mean that was i mean that's that's i having to get over that and come to the realization that like, I'm the problem, like mm-hmm. has given me a pers- perspective and ability to manage people in a way. I don't think people that haven't had to have one of those like rock bottoms experiences. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a spiritualist kind of AI guy. Um, I'm like a, I'm not a, I'm not a religious sort myself. Um, mm-hmm. but like there is something profoundly moving about that level of self honesty. realization you know like that's as close to the divine as as i believe you can get i mean like i said i'm not religious so it's like but to me when you have those moments where you're like fuck man like this is who i am laid bare and i'm really looking at it and i'm really trying to deal with it like those are the moments that like your brain almost doubles in on itself in panic but then you also have this like immense sense of freedom after you after you do the work you know
1: i was really
2: Hmm? sorry i was
1: just gonna say that's really well put but yeah go ahead star
2: i'm so sorry um Yeah, I just want to say that, like, I've worked at a lot of companies uh, and studios. And I also say, like, Ted is really amazing because what he brings is, like, a real sense of patience, sensitivity, and empathy for our developers Mm -hmm. because, you know, sometimes uh, real stuff happens. Sometimes mental health depression happens, you you know, and, like, Ted is able to have a patience to, like, sit down with somebody and really, like, talk them through a situation because uh, the hard part about running a business is not the creative stuff and putting all the content together it's the people and all those opinions and all those Mm -hmm. and their lives are they're bringing their lives into whatever work they're doing and so we have to juggle all these (laughs) eight different situations right yeah yeah Yeah, so like we could be in a very like stressful time with like hard deadlines but then like somebody is like kind of not having a good day and ted will sit down and talk with them and so i think that's the power of like his experiences
0: no i mean and like look i'm i don't want to uh, the the reason I do that is because, like, I've been there, you know? Like, I've been on the worst day of my life, and I know... And I never am sure exactly what day of the worst day of their life someone's on, how many of those worst days they've had in a row. So, like, you know, we get a fair amount of negative reviews on Steam. And I have a policy that if anyone ever, like, comes on our Steam and, like, starts attacking us and being like, fuck this game, blah, 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 I usually, like, friend request them because... Mm-hmm. um like, if you're going to be going on to some random indie game and, like, talking shit, you're probably not, like, having the best day or, like, the best,
1: like, <laughs> oh, few days. That's so sad and true. Um, yeah. So
0: there's this person that I added um, on Steam uh, named Ray, and um, um, they had given us a bad review. And so I added them, and I started asking them, like, oh, what did you not like about the game? Because part of it is, like, also we do want to improve, and, like, the only way you're going to improve sure. is if you listen to your critics. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, and then Ray started talking to me about other games that they liked, and uh, then eventually bought me Raft, this game called Raft, which oh, was like... Yeah, yeah, I know Raft. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, this is super cute and super fun, and then um, I played with them, and, like, they didn't have their microphone on, I was like, oh, I guess they must just be shy. And then I found out that uh, Ray, uh, the reason that they didn't want to talk is because they're trans, and they just recently, you know, started the process, and they're still not sure of their voice yet, you know. Um, sure, sure. It's a difficult, insanely difficult process, and... um so then, you know, Ray was like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't, I'm don't. i in the UK and I don't have, like, a lot of trans friends. I don't really know anyone that's a gamer that's trans here. And I was like, I know a ton because of this other community that I'm a part of that's haunted PS1, which has a lot of trans developers. So I put her into contact with one of the, the people over there, and then they became friends, and they started talking. And, you know, Ray messaged me the other night and was like, hey, thank you so much for doing that. It's like I've been talking to them all the time, and, like, I feel they feel like I'm part of this community. And I'm not, like, saying anything to, like, pat myself on the back or anything, because, like, it's really, like... <laughs>
1: I mean, even, it kind of sounds like yeah, but yeah. Even but though I, I'm, the, I'm the best, you can yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm basically the best.
0: But what I'm saying is, is that like that that kind of stuff, that feeling of like getting that message and knowing that I helped this person, like that's what gets me going way more than seeing like big sales figures. You know,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know way. Like
0: when we, one of our developers, his name is Torbal Duke, and he, he when he started working the DreadX collections had 88 followers. Now he has I don't know how many does Reed have. Um, <laughs> But, you know, yeah, 2,000, almost 2,000 followers to see him grow. I mean, that's not a lot, but to go from 80 to 2,000 in just a few months is is a pretty big bump. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and now Reed just announced that he quit his job at Best Buy and he's going to be making stuff for us full time. And like that, that's what I want in my life. You know, like I don't, I don't need my name to be in all the credits or in my picture in all the games, even though
1: it is because I'm very handsome. Um but it—it's like I only see a very tiny picture of you. I cannot confirm this for anyone listening. I cannot confirm Ted's handsomeness. <laughs> um, I can.
3: I'll do it. For you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, you know, it's like what I'm saying is that you know to see him grow and to like be able to 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 be on the call with him where he's making the decision to quit his retail job and pursue game dev full time and to say that like I made it possible is like. It's not an ego thing. It's like, I made someone's life better. And that mm-hmm. is what really drives me. And that's, you know, one of the, the things I wanted, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about, like, you know, the, the, when you're, because you've made a career out of talking on, about
1: these, these films that, like, right.
0: no one gives a shit about,
1: you know? <laughs> right. Well. But. Mm -hmm. you know like we were talking about earlier like it just comes from a love and and like sometimes we're mean and sometimes we make jokes and so you know sometimes the sometimes we get upset because we're insulted you know like if if a filmmaker you know sticks in a a a scene where someone like a lady gets assaulted just so they can get tna into their movie right like like all the movies in the 80s did like all the movies in the 80s And, and so it's like There is sometimes like a bitter side of that love, but that's at the end of the day, it's just something that we're very passionate about. And, you know, to tie this all together, right, with with, uh, you know, sobriety and creativity and drive and all of that, you know, I, I think something that that helps as far as, you know, on the sobriety side of things is like the willingness to admit mistakes. Mm-hmm. you like vocalize your mistakes and then learn from it and maybe you know even going back to the start of this conversation maybe that's why i it seems like i have relaxed a bit as a critic because it's like oh well maybe maybe early on i made this mistake i admit this mistake and now i move on right it's mm-hmm. like maybe i was too harsh maybe i was uh criticizing this in an incorrect way and that's how you learn and that's how we bridge the podcast
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah no i, I agree I think that, um, you know, especially as a young man who, like, spent... It is it is weird, though, right? That, like, you know, I I a lot of my getting sober was, like, watching YouTube videos just to get out of the house. I don't think I spent more than, like, two hours a day in my house just sleeping for the first three months of being sober. I was mostly at coffee shops just to get out of my routine and my habit. <laughs> but, you know, watching these YouTube videos... It's it's especially ironic watching Red Letter Media while you're getting sober. You know, it's it's funny. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, that's you know part of it for me too is like I I still have those in my past, right? Where it's right. like, oh, people people like it when I drink. Oh, <laughs> you know.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, that,
1: that's one of the things
0: that's hard about getting sober too. Is that like you know you imagine because of the movies that it's, when people get sober, it's because their life is all downhill and they murdered their kids <laughs> accidentally or something. But usually, right. it's like. You're giving up a lot of fun times as well. Um, mm-hmm. Like, people liked me when I was drunk. I had to stop because, like, <laughs> I, my life was getting worse. Not because yep. people didn't like me. But anyways, um, you know, it's like what I'm saying is that, like, you know, you, you in no small, small part, like, you created a place where people can have this kind of lighthearted, fun discussion about these things that... Normally, people wouldn't care about, you know. Like I said, with 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 um, the games, you know, we we have to balance what we think people want to watch in in our crit- criticism versus what we want to be talking about. Right, right. And I feel like best of the worst, especially, and um, it 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 helped enfranchise a, a, a number of young audience members who. Didn't feel like anyone gave a shit about the things that they wanted to talk about.
1: <laughs> sure, yeah, I can see that.
0: And um, no, and I think that that's really important. And that's one of the reasons why, like, despite having dropped other creators over the years, other YouTube creators, you know, that do the same shtick over and over, like Red Letter Media, I think has only like I, my my appreciation for what you guys do has only grown. Um, and it's similar for like Yahtzee and, and mm. you know, and, and a couple other creators because I, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I put it well enough already. I think I'm just belaboring the point.
1: Well, and you know, I'll I'll say it like on on that on that aspect of things, like what Mike and Jay and Rich, because obviously, like they are red letter media. I show up there every once in a while, but what they have been able to accomplish with that channel, mathematically is incorrect like they did not follow any of the the guidelines as far as like creating content for the internet and they still managed to make it and a lot of that is just talent and like you said like there was an unknown audience for this kind of content like back back in the day when the plinket reviews came out when early half in the bags came out the rule of thumb was make your internet video as short as possible and you know talk only talk about the big thing and go Mm-hmm. And throughout the years, I, I think partly because of what red letter media has created, what we're seeing is people want long discussions and conversations about niche topics like this 70s straight to VHS movie that no one remembers anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, you know, I I think we're we're still learning about what people want. And as far as like balancing, like what we think they want versus what we want to cover we got real lucky. No, We got real lucky.
2: I just wanna jump in here that like I just wanna say when criticism when I don't like criticism, um is like not only when somebody doesn't come from a like a they understand the expertise, which you guys understand expertise, like you know what you're talking about. So there's one that works for you guys. And number two, when it hurts sales. Like if a if one of like if a game um comes out and they're everyone's just bashing on it, that sales like drops. And mm-hmm. so and then sometimes people are like, I love this game, but they all hated it when it first came out. So I'm like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> what happened? You know, like why t- mm. like why did you it hurt the sales of that game? Now they're not gonna make a sequel, Titanfall two three.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah well and that like that's stigma, right? Like if, if it has like a bumpy and you know, we we, we won't get in the, into into because 'cause that'll take too long, but like that's like the the positive and the negatives with things in the games industry like early access or like kickstarted game or beta access where it's like that initial impression that stigma can stick with the game for a long time even if after it gets out of early access oh it's wonderful and perfect people remember first impressions
0: yeah Yeah, i mean no man's sky has had a hell of a rehabilitation of its (laughs) image yeah but it will always be known as what it was when
1: it launched exactly
0: i mean even though they've recovered
1: massively from that you know Right. And, like, you know, sci- will Cyberpunk be able to shake, like, this stink it has on it because of its shaky release, even if, you know, much like Witcher 3, three years from now, uh, they fix all the bugs and everyone agrees it's the greatest game ever. Yeah. Who, who knows? And, and, of course, there's an upside to things like Early Access where it helps developers get money so they can finish the freaking game. Yeah. And and it's it's a landscape, like you said, video games is still a young medium and we're still figuring it out.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's so weird too because, you know, I like the DreadX so the the DreadX collection, right? Like the idea for it came because mm. um so DreadXP is owned by a company called Epic Pictures Group. Epic Pictures Group makes a number of films, uh like Terrifier, Turbo Kid, uh, Big Ass Spiders is another one of ours. Um and the
3: greatest.
0: Turbo Kid's great. If you wanna,
1: if you wanna be in Turbo Kid too, let me know. Um, if you can make that happen, I know at least eight people who will who will be wherever you need us to be. Turbo Kid was great. If you want to be extras in
0: Turbo Kid too, I can one, I can, I can get you there. Um,
1: <laughs> anywho, um, yeah, sorry.
0: So you know, we were we were doing this film production stuff, and like COVID happened, so we couldn't do film production. And um, they were like, Ted, do you have any ideas for like basically what to do with all this resources? And I was like, let's make a game. And they're like, can you make a game in three months? And I was like, that's impossible, but I'll figure it out. And I, I basically just pitched this idea. I was like, well, what if we do it like an anthology film but for games? Like, I know that people do these game jams, and they make these. The problem with game jams, though, is that they're open to the public. Basically, anyone can submit. You get like a 1,000 games at the end, and there's no curation as to what's better or worse. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough time, and there's no real incentive to polish. So... Instead, let's pay developers, invite only, pay them up front, give them a very like, a small window of time, but bigger than a game jam. So it's like seven to ten days. Mm-hmm. And then collect all those together and sell it like an anthology movie. Yeah, but an anthology movie for games, so an anthology game. And um, the fact that like I'm the first guy to make an anthology game just shows how young the genre is. Because anthology films have been out there for like a long fucking time. And the fact that like this is really the first game to try to market that. I mean, there was the Haunted PS One demo disc, and there's been demo discs in the past, but this is the first, as far as I know, commercial anthology product. So, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, it wasn't a like community, let's just do something together kind of thing. It was like, no, this is a business. We're trying to make a profit. Like, kind of yeah. be a little bit more serious about it.
1: No, and I like I re- I, I re- you know playing. Uh, I only played uh, the uh, X Collection two, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's an amazing idea, and you get all of these little tastes all in one package, and and like I said, and then everyone is pushing in the same direction. You got a bunch of people to all go in one direction, and that's that should be commended. And I, I think more indie developers, more smaller developers should follow that and say hey let's just make let's make a like seven hour long games a uh, package it up and push mm-hmm.
0: yeah i mean i, I hope they don't because then that would be my market and no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i think that they i think but, that they should i, I just think it's not with
1: horror like uh, maybe with uh with uh, the platformers
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um do you know how fucking hard it is to manage 12 different teams at the same time. I thought it would be super easy because I was like, oh, these are all just like small little game jam projects. Like, how could it be so hard? No, turns out there's a fuck ton of work that goes into managing 12 different teams at yeah, the same time. I,
2: I, when I am talking to Ted, I'm like, are you joking? Like the first collection at 10 games? I'm like... You need to do QA for all of this. You need to market. You need to like put all like every, every in, like every game individually on Twitter, mm-hmm. right? And all these individual developers, and then market like in the trailer having twelve games in one trailer, it was bananas. So, but like we are we, uh, we're learning. We're yeah.
0: better. Trying to get the trailer timing was really hard, and the music to match. Yeah. It's like
2: and, yeah, and the key art of like oh we're going to put everyone's logos into this key art, and it's like people can't even see the logos because they're so tiny. Because it's just yeah. It's okay, it's all learning.
0: Degrees. We so. should probably actually get, get wrapping up here pretty soon, because it's been about an hour and a half, and I know, Jack, you said you only had about this amount of time. So, um, exactly. We should probably get wrapping up here pretty soon. Um, but, you know, before we do, uh, I do want, you know, because we were supposed to... I mean, we've talked a lot about a lot of aspects of the industry. Um, there was just two quick questions I want to ask. First off, uh, other than uh, a hand with many fingers, uh, what indie games are you? would you like to use our... Uh, platform to to boost right now
1: what indie games Uh, there is an indie game i keep going back to uh, every once in a while as they update it Uh, it's it's a one i've talked about before Uh, it's called uh, for the warp Mm -hmm. uh, which is a it's uh, kind of a mix between slay the spire and ftl it's a you know deck building game but you have spaceships that you manage and i do enjoy a good deck building game uh, so I've been playing a bit of that here and there. You know, it's it's. Uh, I want to say it's a single-person developer again, and so it doesn't get updated very often, but whenever it does, I always uh, sink a couple hours into it. Uh, what else have I been playing recently on the I'd
3: indie? i like to plug a little here. indie game by the name of Far Cry 6. <laughs> very, very excited for that one.
1: Ryan? <laughs> um... Oh, you know what? You know what? Uh, a tiny little game I've been playing every once in a while. It's 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 a weird one. It's called uh, Mixo Lumia. Mm-hmm. This one. Mixo Lumia. Oh, yes. Yeah. Actually, yes. It's it's like a tile match, but like the music goes with the tile match things. It's you know it's a very casual game. It's a it's a wonderful little like zone out. Um, and just listen to some neat tunes while you uh, tile match. Really fun. And if you're into thing. neat,
0: if you're into neat music and games, you're gonna love our next thing.
1: Ooh, very excited for that. Very mysterious, Ted. How very nebulous mysterious. of you. <laughs> uh, the other game I've been playing a little bit on the on the indie side of things is is uh, a game called Loop Hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, which is a game that's far too complicated for me to explain but it's it's neat and it's interesting and I wish it was out on iPads uh, that one is not available to general audiences though right uh, I think it's out
0: planned release date 2021 I just looked it up on steam. <gasps>
1: Is it not out yet? Uh, it's not out yet. Sometimes, oh, sometimes I get codes for things, and I don't know when I'm supposed to talk about them. Yeah. I, no, I've talked about that one. I've talked about that I've, one. I've, I, I'm in the
0: same boat. I'm actually, like, I need to be playing the medium right now to review it. But Right. Like, uh, yeah. Um, great, fantastic game so far, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah like, like I'm enjoying
1: it. it so far. I just, uh, I, I want to play that one in short bursts, so I want it on my iPad. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, actually, that's one of the things we wanted to do with Spookware is bring it onto mobile because we think that there's a there's a there's a chance in the mobile market to move away from Clash <laughs> of Clans and stuff and instead make like actual games. Remember when like everyone was like, "Mobile is going to be the way of the future." Look at this Infinity Blade game! Isn't this so beautiful and wonderful? And look, we're going to have all these great games. And then there's like Clash of Clans for ten years.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We like. I think like Spookware is a great example of like utilizing the touch screen properly. Like having a lot of fun uh, with mm-hmm. the different micro games uh, and the screen. Yes, I would like that. on The iPad, please.
0: Yep. Don't don't worry. You'll be you'll be getting a code as soon as it's as soon as it's coming, so that you can you. rep it for us. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, um, and then Jack, why don't you go ahead and like rep your own channel and stuff like that.
1: Absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Harlack. You can watch me over at escapistmagazine.com. I am on a show there nearly every day, so just just pop by or pop by our YouTube channel. Uh, and every once in a while you can see me over at redlettermedia.com. Uh, we just recently shot an episode, uh, a new episode of Best of the Worst, which uh, if we're gonna talk horror, we can talk about when when will this episode be out? Out? Oh, probably in two weeks. Oh, okay. Then I can tell. Um, uh, we just watched the worst, like, most awful stomach-churning horror movie ever called The Suckling. Hmm.
2: God, <sighs> I don't want to see that.
1: <laughs> it's, no, it's like, it's the first time in Red Letter Media history that I insisted we put a content warning before our discussion.
2: Wow. It it is
1: the premise of the movie alone deserves a content warning. Uh, I'm about to say the premise, um, a content warning. uh, If you, uh, I don't know how to do content warnings properly because I'm not used to it. uh, But we talk about abortion. Oh, rough! Uh, uh, the the premise of the movie is uh, a woman goes to get an illegal abortion. They flush the fetus down the toilet, where it is uh, exposed to toxic waste. Comes back into the uh, illegal clinic as a monster and kills everyone. Hmm. When that happens.
0: yeah that's always that's actually the big downside of abortions is that that happens once in every a thousand times exactly
1: it's like all that toxic waste everywhere and so it's like
0: and
1: and the way they handle it in the movie is beyond insensitive they are like it's it's crazy 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 and so it's like watching that was a very uncomfortable experience but an interesting conversation
0: so. so the first movie i ever reviewed for uh uh, Dread Central was a movie called Dying God, mm-hmm. uh, which is about a, a Mesoamerican god who's wants to procreate, so it uh, sexually assaults uh, a number of prostitutes, but its its oh. phallus is too large, so it kills them. Oh come on! Oh no! Yeah, well, if you're talking about rough starts in like the the industry, I was like watching it. I was like, is this gonna watching movies like this is gonna be my life? Oh my god! No. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's where you can find me and all the fun things that I do um, currently. Great.
0: That sounds that sounds like it'll be a fun episode to watch and probably not watch the movie associated with
1: the, it. F- the first two movies are super fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine. I mean, I, I imagine you probably have some interesting stories about films that have you guys have watched that you're like, we can't ever fucking talk about this. But. There,
1: you know, there there's a few, there's like a handful that we really want to talk about. And we're not sure if we can, but you know, I won't tell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's so many films like that, that I've seen. Cause like, especially with horror back when we got our screeners and like, they just mm-hmm. Sharpie the name on a DVD and then mail it to us. Mm-hmm. Like we got so many real garbage tier movies. It, absolutely. I, I mean i guess that's probably probably the, the main reason why I uh got interested in you guys of anyways we gotta wrap up here i, I need to I, I appreciate you you taking the time to talk to us Jack we're going over a schedule here and i really do appreciate it <laughs> well, um thanks
1: for having me
0: yeah you know um guys listening if you haven't checked it out definitely go check out the escapist um you know it's been around for 12 years now um and you know they, they've just especially recently, you know, by bringing Jack on, you know, it's been and a number of other changes that they made with the three minutes reviews. Like they've really made a huge effort to, to, to modernize and ramp up their content. It's something that, you know, I I think that it's so cool to see a site actually go back to making good content rather than just trying to focus on clickbait all the time. Um, and I feel like that's what the people over at the escapist are doing. So, you know, give my regards to Nick, tell him that I'm a big fan of what he's doing over there. Um, you know, and, uh, and, you know, and I'm a big fan of what you're doing. So, you know, keep it up and, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, man.
1: Thanks for having me. I hope you all have a lovely day.
0: Yep, and uh, for all y'all at home, you know, thank you for tuning in uh, to the Real Professional Podcast. We're going to be trying to get back to a weekly schedule here, you know, making sure to deliver you the content that you want on a consistent schedule, because consistency is key, and I keep telling myself that to make sure I actually do it. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's going to be a big year for us, though. we got so many games coming out, and I really can't wait to start talking to you more about... What we're coming out with, what's 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 down the pipe? Um, I don't know if we've announced uh, some of the bigger stuff yet. But the next episode. But you know, just keep coming back, keep tuning in. We got a lot more really awesome guests lined up for this year. So um, without uh, further ado, I guess we'll just kind of go ahead and call it. So uh, Star, do you have anything you wanted to say to the fans before we go? Uh, see
2: you soon. Buy Thank our you. game. I'm listening. Yeah, buy
0: our games. Yep, Jesse, you got any uh, parting words of wisdom? Fun
3: and be yourself.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, what a good, what a good positive message. Okay, uh, thank you so much, and uh, I will uh, talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.